joined here by um, the executive director of the SCAE, um, somebody who is well known within the coffee industry, uh, Mr. David Veal. Uh, David, thank you for joining us. For, well, joining us, joining me, first of all, because Colin couldn't be bothered to come. Um, you may hear Tippy Tappy in the background, that's the ping pong table of the Barista Guild. Um, I was playing early on, one of my highlights of the week was to play my first game of table tennis in about 20 years. Unfortunately uh, I lost to a certain Dale Harris. And he is the worst table tennis player in the world. Thank you, that's made me... Yeah, I beat him 11-1 really this morning yeah. on the table, the first time hitting it, so uh, really? he is pretty... Yeah. And he spends all day at work playing it as well. Does he? Oh, well yeah. he didn't tell me that. No, he does. We have a table tennis table in the, in the roastery and he... Every day he's in, he spends forever on it. He really so eleven six, him playing every day, and me not playing for twenty years probably isn't bad. Is it? That's not. He did actually comment that you you, you were quite handy at it. It, it. it was aggressive, I think, was the word that he used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so I mean, of course, that Dale is one of your board members as well. Yeah, so indeed, uh, yes. you. Uh, I should have. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I let him win. That yeah, you have to let him win. That's yeah. right. It would only be right. It's uh, it, it, it's true, and. So we're at the World of Coffee here in Gothenburg. Um, first of all, why Gothenburg? Why was this the, the choice for, for, for the host venue? Yeah, that's a good question. That's what everybody said when we first started. It was more where is Gothenburg yeah. rather than why. And um, it's a good story, really, because we, uh, we go through um, uh, a procedure, a process. We're actually just doing it at the moment for the next three years after Dublin. And um, we discounted Gothenburg. Um, but they kept coming back and coming back saying, well, you must come and see us, you must come and see us. And they said, no, no, it's sorted. And eventually we succumbed and came. And they were just so strong with their business, they were just so passionate about wanting us to come. And we looked at the facilities, and I think you probably agree, this is one of the best uh, uh, locations we've had with the hotel and, uh, uh, and the exhibition at the fairground just across the road and just next to the city. It's very convenient having the hotel actually part of the, the exhibition centre. So it's not because you've got a holiday home here like Nice? No. No, oh, excellent. Because no, so that, that, that was quite convenient, no, no, wasn't no, it? That, it? It was. <laughs> well, actually, Nice wasn't one of my choices. I hope you believe me. Um, no. But no, and then the other thing was, because we've designated sort of six areas within Europe as areas that we want to focus on, yeah. although not exclusively, uh, the Nordics being one of those. Um, and remembering the influence that the Nordic countries had in the early days of Sky and competition, we thought it would be good to come through. On a completely selfish point, when was the last time there was a, a UK uh, World of Coffee? Has it ever been there? Or was 2010 it? in London. That was, that, but that was cafe culture, that wasn't really a World of Coffee, was it? Oh, OK, right. Uh, no, the answer then is no, there hasn't been. There should be. Isn't it one of the biggest chapters? Uh, it is the third biggest chapter at the moment. Only third? Yes, after Korea and Italy. Okay, okay. Um, so this World of Coffee, there's been uh, a heck of a lot of things launched. Uh, kind of, I'm going talking about the research that's been going ongoing. You know, with Shahal and, and other people being involved. We've got the new website launch. We've had Rico. Um, what is the one initiative that you're most excited about? What's the one thing that you kind of Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I always annoy my wife when she asks me what is my favourite, this or that. I always say I don't have favourites. So, um, <laughs> oh, uh, I have a favourite child. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is it yours? Uh, yeah, no, no, that's why he's my favourite. <laughs> Somebody else's, just random. Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> um, of those that you've mentioned, I would have to say research, really, because, um, you know, we're, we're in a fortunate position now that we've... Um, We've had four or five years of, uh, of growth, mm -hmm. um, which includes um, taking money, 
which many people criticise us for, for being a, you know, a bit of a, a, a banker. Uh, but the good thing about that is, well, first of all, when I came, I think the association had almost been busted twice. Yeah. And uh, it was sort of on a shoestring. So the first thing I had to do was just make it stable. And I'm not answering your question, but I'm getting there. No, um, I get it, yeah. And, and since I then... Mean, and why, why do you think that was? What, because obviously... Um, you know, it's the same organisation, it's the same members. Why do you think that that was an issue? Because I know there was the VAT thing where uh, people, you know, the VAT wasn't being paid on membership yeah, and there was yeah. a, a general uh, money just... It seemed to be very mom-and-pop run. I think that's exactly what it was. It had been set up by, uh, you know, a few blokes around um, <coughs> Europe who were passionate about coffee and thought there should be a coffee association quite rightly too. But, uh, and that's how it ran for a number of years. Uh, although quite successfully, when you think that... Uh, they started the education programme during those years. They invented six competitions during those years, so a lot of good work was done. But um, it was in a sort of um, uh, vo volunteer base, although we still are, but mainly volunteers. You know, Mick, Mick Wheeler, my predecessor, was part-timer. Mm -hmm. So that, I think that was why. But they very wisely realised that they needed to uh, bring in somebody full-time. Um, and I was sort of uh, sold my company, so I was available, so it was good for me. Um, and just sort of professionalise, uh, really, to give us a future, which we've been able to do, um, uh, partly due to the fantastic success of Coffee Diploma System, which is enabling us to, uh, to fulfil our objective of education, but also to give us a good income stream. So, getting back to the question, we're now at the point where we can really seriously start investing back into the industry. Uh, and one of those is um, through our International Development Committee, and the other one is to our research committee. So that was uh, sort of set up last year under the chairmanship of Sharani Yertian from Zurich University mm -hmm. with Morten Munchau from Copenhagen University. And uh, just this year alone, we're going to be producing six uh, research papers from uh, Copenhagen and two from Zurich. So that excites me. Um, so um, I see the role of a... a, a an organisation, you know, which is uh, looking after an industry, um, as threefold. One is definitely research. I think the other one is the ability to network, which we are, we're all doing here. We're all networking with each other. Um, education. You know, we talk. We're going to go on and talk about the coffee diploma system. But the other one, I think, very much is lobbying. Um, what's the SAE doing towards uh, addressing that kind of lobbying for you know for the for the industry as a whole? You're right, and in fact, we did a, a survey three, three, two years ago of our members uh, to ask them what they wanted from us. And whilst different classifications of members wanted different things, there were three sort of commonalities, really. Uh, one of them clearly was education, uh, and the second one was uh, helping them to add value to their business, and then the third one was lobbying. Um, and we do do it, probably under the, uh, under the radar in, in many ways. I remember, uh, for example, a couple of years ago, the Huila region of Colombia had an issue with a Spanish company wanting to use that name for a branded coffee. Um, and so we lobbied on their behalf to stop that happening. But we didn't really shout about it. In the same way when the uh, Ethiopian government wanted to stop the, um, uh, the coffee exchange there and uh, put all of their... Uh, coffee into one big box and send it off. Uh, we lobbied uh, quite hard to stop that happening, but we didn't really shout about it. So perhaps, you know, we should maybe talk more about, um, you know, what we do in certain areas. And in fact, you know, communication is uh, 
an area that we always know we can do better and we're sort of, you know, we're working hard to improve in that area. So, so we talk, talking a little bit there about like the lobbying outside of it that you've been doing some of those things and, and I guess it's the worst kept secret in coffee about the uh, aggressive takeover that's happening of the SCAE of SCAE. Uh, which way around was that? SCAA taking over the SCAE. That's what's oh, happening, isn't it? I don't know if I would see it that way at all. Steve. Okay, the acquisition. <laughs> um, no, no, on a serious note, the, the, there's been talks of alignment and the coming together of the two organisations. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use the word secret in that, actually. <laughs> well, when I asked people on the board, they didn't necessarily come forward and say that's what was happening at that time. But, you know, I think we all knew that there were conversations happening, there were meetings happening uh, back in Seattle uh, last year yeah. um, about those alignments. And I, and I actually, on the whole, I think it's a good thing. Um, and particularly if both organisations are going to benefit out of it. But particularly on the lobbying thing and the communication thing even, do you think the two organisations, if they do come together, will actually make a stronger voice? The theory should be that that would happen, you know, two coming together as one. You know, you've, uh, you've got more clout, you're, you're bigger, you can um, uh, ally your, your different activities. Uh, uh, and, yeah, I mean, the, the truth is that we both... Um, as we've already mentioned, education being one of our strong points, um, as it is theirs. Uh, if you compare the curricula of our two uh, education programs, they're very, very similar anyway. So, the, you know, the next logical step might be to, to bring them together as one. Well. Would you say, though, that the, the coffee diploma system, I think, has been much more successful and much more adopted uh, across, uh, across the world um, than the SEA, SEAA's uh, education program? But would you also agree that our AST program perhaps hasn't been as successful as their tutoring program that they've rolled out, and that the two could actually benefit from being moulded together? So, answering the last bit first, the two would, I think, probably benefit from being moulded together. Yeah. But going back to the beginning of that question, um, our, whilst our programmes are very close, the reason that we've been so successful has been our route to market, which is through ASTs whereas the Americans go more through their certified labs uh, and, and their very structured system. We've had a more open system, so we now have... Well, just because you sell more or something doesn't necessarily mean it's the best programme, though, does it? Well, it, it, depend, it depends how you're gauging it. In a one way, it makes it more successful because you are uh, certifying more people, you're educating more people, you're improving your income stream. But that, with it, that can bring problems. So we, do, we have had a problem... Uh, due to our success, you know, you sometimes do create problems for yourself when you're successful. So, and that problem is it's been difficult to ensure the quality of uh, what's happening. So, um, that's sort of the next step for Coffee Development System, which we've already started. We've employed uh, three people this year um, for that alone, just to do more observations, um, more feedback, um, uh, to ensure that uh, we are keeping the quality that we need to. But, you know, we're, we're now certifying, or we're issuing about 2,000 certificates per month. So it's difficult to keep on top of that. But we're... And should this uh, aggressive takeover happen, uh, I'm going to keep calling it aggressive That's takeover, fine. I like it, I think it should trend That's somewhere. You'll frighten our American friends to death if you keep saying that. But. I know, I like it. Um, <laughs> But uh, should they come together, what do you see as the major challenges we both organisations have got to overcome to make it happen? I mean, what, what do you see as the, the challenges ahead on that road and that pathway? OK, if any two companies come together, uh, there are major challenges, uh, you know, in, in sort of bringing two separate entities together. So, uh, and 
if it happens, that undoubtedly would be one of the big challenges. I think, you know, further challenges would be, um, you know, possibly some cultural differences that we have with the Americans, you know, we're bringing two to one in that, that area. Although we have far more in common with them than, you know, anything that separates us. Um, and, uh, you know, they've been going for 30 odd years. We're now 17 years old, so you know you do things in certain ways, and then you, if you're, it's a bit, little bit like getting married, really, isn't it? You know, you come in your own ways, and then you have to live with somebody who does things differently. So, using that marriage analogy, because I kind of like that, you know, that people are going to come together and two people. Uh, what, what's the thing that makes you fancy the SCAA? What's the thing that you kind of go in? I like what they do across there. I wish we did that. I wish we could do what they're doing. And do you think that they have things that they fancy us for? Um, it's a really good question. Um, I think whilst, um, you know, just, uh, just going back a little bit to your favourite phrase of takeover, um, I, I think had we have um, come together maybe five or six years ago, it probably would have been a takeover because they were much bigger than us and much more successful and far ahead of us in virtually everything. Um, but I think we're a lot closer to them now in size and um, in activities. Um, and, um, you know, it, it would more, it would be more um, a marriage of equals now, I think, than it would have been. Uh, so what do we fancy about uh, SCAA? They are still um, ahead of us in, in some areas quite, by quite a long way, so in research as an example. Um, I think, you know, whilst we are multicultural here in SCAE, 37 countries or whatever, 50 countries in Europe, um, collectively I think the Americans are more enthusiastic um, and um, open to new ideas more quickly than we are in Europe. So, you know, they, they have almost like a, a, a childlike enthusiasm for new things, which, which is good. Do you think that is because of the fragmented way that we've set up SCIE with chapters and, uh, but also when there's been competing things like, I think things like Nordic or Easter Cup, you know, where the Nords broke off and did their own thing almost for a little while. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we've had BSA and other things that, you know, kind of have been on the outline, but particularly the chapters thing. Do you think that works at a, a disadvantage for us? No, I don't. Um, although you're right about the other point, that in Europe there are, I think, more than the States. Um, there are far disadvantage for us. No, I don't. Um, although you're right about the other point that in Europe there are, I think, more than the states. Um, there are far more um, small groups who are, um, uh, you know, focused on one particular thing. No, I don't think the chapter uh, structure that we have is disadvantageous. Um, it was formed to allow local people in any given country to get together to network and learn and teach one another. Um, uh, and I still think that's a good structure. The, the Americans don't have it and don't need to have it or haven't needed to have it because they're more of a homogenous, you know, single language country. And, uh, although, you know, I think they're looking at it and thinking there might be a model there for them. Uh, so the, the chapters, whilst I think I know where we're going here. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I do believe that, uh, um, in principle, the chapter structure is good. I think in principle it is, and I, I agree with you on, on many levels there, but uh, as tw you know, 18 months into being National Coordinator of the UK... Um, and publicly thank you very much for your, uh, for your work uh, and I wouldn't say that just yet, wait until it's over. <laughs> um, but 
Uh, in practice, I think that uh, I've certainly felt that the chapters are very much left alone um, to get on and do their thing. What are the plans um, as a board and as an executive uh, to change that and to make it so uh, coordinators don't feel isolated? Because definitely talking to other coordinators as well, they pretty much all feel the same. Yeah, uh, it's probably been one of the biggest challenges really to, uh, to try and uh, change the situation which I found when I came. Uh, into something which um, I would like. Uh, I mean, the, the ideal situation would be for us to have a paid, fully paid, employed chapter coordinator in each chapter, but clearly, you know, that financially that's not possible. So, you were, we're now, if you want to cause a commercial organisation, or at least a professional organisation, but relying on volunteers to do a really, really important job, and all of those volunteers, virtually all of those volunteers, are either working for themselves or they're working for somebody else who, who has pressures on the time. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, they're spread out all over Europe. Um, uh, and so it is difficult, um, but and we have been working, believe it or not, for four years to improve that. We got sort of, and um, we changed the whole system two years ago to bring in a committee, rather one national coordinator, to try and make it easier. Um, but we're working on some new initiatives now, probably four different things, um, maybe more. So one of them is we've just appointed uh, a chapter coordinator, Jackie Malone, former National Coordinator of Ireland, uh, whose specific job it is to support the chapters uh, with time and effort, uh, help set up new chapters, help with uh, uh, the elections and help with events as well. Um, we're looking to um, make all of the chapters a legal uh, and fiscal entity which in itself is a massive job because each country has its own different laws, fiscal and legal, so that's going to be a big thing. We'll Do you think that's a little bit late though, kind of we're 18 years in and we're suddenly doing it now? Do you know, like, I, think, I think there's some... Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't, uh, because, yeah. because basically the, the coordinators of the past and coordinators of the future until that's in place are pretty much the, they're putting themselves in that financial firing line a little bit, aren't they? <coughs> well, we... We've never really seen it like that. that. We've, whilst, you I think know, the inland revenue and other revenues from other countries might see it like that. Well, we've always, we've always said that, you know, if there are... And there have been issues in countries where we've supported it. And, uh, so I think in the 17 years, I don't know how many national coordinators we've had in that time. It must be hundreds. Yeah. But there's never been an issue where, uh, you know, we've sort of let's, let have somebody on the road. Of course, of course. Yeah. I, 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 that, would, that would be... Uh, that would be, it would be wrong. It would be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, be wrong. yeah. It would be, it would be very wrong. Yeah. So, um, uh, and that uh, part of the answer to that question is it late? Is the fact that to do it properly, we're going to have to employ um, an au a professional auditing company to help us do that, yeah. and that's going to cost a lot of our members' money to do that. So, and in the past we didn't have it. Now we do. So uh, that's why we're there. Um, I'm going to go back to the coffee diploma system because it's, okay. uh, it's obviously something that's very central to the success of the SCIE and it's yeah. certainly where the uh, financial ability to do all of these things are starting to come from. Uh, I mean, I think first of all, uh, the incoming chair um, in Paul Stack uh, is definitely one of the, the grandfathers of, of that programme and, and he is, should yeah. have special praise yeah. um, for that. But it's a programme that continues to change. So, for instance, there were some major changes last year, there's some major changes again into this year's one. Do you see this as an ongoing thing where it's constantly going to evolve, or do you feel that the the actual programme now is at where you want it to be? In, in one sense, I really hope it doesn't change too much in the next uh, uh, year or, or maybe even two, because um, 
having invented something that was really good, we decided to completely change it a year later. And that took a lot of work, mainly from the creators, yeah, um, once again, who were all volunteers. Um, and uh, yeah, it took a lot of work and a long time. And I think we've got a pretty good product now. Not that we should rest on our laurels, but I think, I think for now it's fit, fit for purpose. We look at um, not so much how that might change, but what might be after the diploma system. You know, should there be another level? Uh, call it what you want. Let's call it a degree if you want, which might involve maybe, um, you know, as a part of that, uh, having to go um, to origin for a month, maybe, followed by a thesis, perhaps. Um, Barista Guild has been a fairly big development in the last 12 months with the successful camp in Greece uh, and the birth of the CoLab event, which Tampa Tantrum is very proud to be uh, part of. Yeah, um, nice plug. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's it's been a, an awful lot of work from the from the committee. Um, where do you see Brewster Guild going? Do you see this as that's it? We've got it now. We've got these these events happening, these other networking events. Or do you see uh, further developments for it in the future? Well, well no, I you know I don't see that that's it at all. I mean, it's um, I, I think we're just at the beginning, really. Uh, and having said that, it's been a long and maybe not painful birth, but a long birth since we had this last uh, the last. Uh, one of these interviews we did in Vienna yeah. three years ago where we said, yeah... We, and, you, and in Nice as well, didn't we? We, we, actually, yeah. we talked about it in Nice and we had Willem come up and talk about the conception of it yeah, and, yeah. and then, then it was coming together. Yeah, so um, it finally has done. Uh, we've got a great person driving it now, Issa, who's doing a really good job. Um, although I wasn't um, at the first one, uh, all of the stories I heard were really good. Uh, Colab as well, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, for me, why do uh, one camp a year when arguably you could do six or seven and still, uh, you know, fill each one of them? And um, do you see that to be fulfilling the role of, like, the, with the education program, he's bringing in a, a fairly large income? How do you review Barista Guild? Should that bring in money, or should that actually be a membership benefit that we are getting from the education where we spend yeah, the money? Yeah, it's absolutely that. I mean, we, when we start, when we set it up last year, we. Uh, uh, we said that we would underpin it um, financially. Um, it's actually broke even, so it, that, that's great. Um, for me, it should be cost uh, cost neutral. Should should be making as well. Um, and you know, as you say, the um, the great thing about it is it, it's based on education. So um, the, all the certifications we also sponsored, if you like. So. And I, I've heard rumours walking around the show floor that there are certain people being involved in a roasters guild, and that's the next place you want to go. It's the next logical place to take. Um, take you know, if we're copying what the states do, so they can take us over, we should definitely copy their roasters guild. Um, another one in there. Um, what, what are the plans for the roasters yeah, guild? Can you share anything with us? Can you tell anything? Have you not heard the phrase "reverse takeover"? Oh, are you listening, Rick? Rick, he said he's taking you over. Go on, get it out there. Um, but no, so but obviously the Roasters Guild is something that uh, is going to be happening. It's a logical step. What, what are the plans for that? What do you what do you want per to do? Personally, I think there's an argument to say that uh, there's a, a, a greater need for a Roasters Guild than there is a Barista Guild because um, you know baristas. There are two things I think. You know the education we talked about, but also you know the networking. And you say what? Yeah, another networking opportunity. Well, yeah, because. Networking still, I think, is one of the main reasons that people join associations. And baristas love networking. Um, but the baristas, in my experience, in the main, are fairly gregarious people. They find ways to network and talk to them. 
roasters are a slightly different breed um, in as much as um, many of them are just chained to the machine 24 hours a day almost to the roaster machine and don't get the opportunity to share experiences. Do you think there's the extra challenge though is a lot of roasters tend to be business owners as well whereas baristas tend to be employees and are working for someone and that changes the responsibilities and the way you interact with your association? Well you say that and maybe five years ago that would have been bang on but um, we've now got the new generation of micro roasters coming along who are, would you call them a company? Well in a way you would but they are almost one man bands aren't they or two man bands and um, on their own and um, we all know running a sort of small to medium business it can be very lonely uh, you know you, sort, you sometimes feel you're just on your own and uh, which is why I think that um, uh, you know there really is a need for so, so what, why, why did the SCAE decide to do it this way around with the Barista Guild first and then the Roasters Guild because Baristas let's be honest are pretty well furnished by the association they have competition uh, they have many competitions um, quite often all the chapters are doing are competitions for baristas um, so why do it this way around? Uh, I think there's probably two reasons for that one uh, sometimes the loudest voice gets its own way <laughs> um, I mean I wouldn't put it either, but uh, yeah I think probably we, we did respond to the loudest voice um, and then the other part of the answer is going back to what I've just said that um, five years ago there weren't so many micro roasters around, and now all of a sudden it's. Uh, and and that, that's great because we're seeing now, in my view, uh, you know, we've always talked about, you know, Barista being a transitory job, and, you know, what happens next? Well, nothing, people go off to do other things. Now we're just seeing the beginnings of um, uh, people seeing a career in, in the speciality coffee industry, which is fantastic. I'll get the plug in for you. The tickets have gone on sale for the Barista Guild uh, uh, Barista Camp, which they is have. going to be in Rimini this year, I believe. Uh, it's actually um, it's just south of, of, of Rimini, but near enough, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they'll be Riccioni. flying into Rimini Riccioni. Airport, and yeah. it's by the beach, so it's holidays for baristas again, so they'll be able to get their uh, top of their tans yeah, and uh, such a good life. get drunk by the pool. Yeah. Wish I was a barista. Um, so moving on, um, we're on the final day of uh, the World of Coffee event here. Um, Again, I'm going to go back to the favourite. What's been your favourite thing about the event? What's the thing that stuck out that you'll take away as the, uh, the moment yeah. of the, the event? Well, other than table tennis. Uh, other than uh, losing to Dale Harris at table tennis. Thank you once again. Yeah. Um, this might sound really trite or, or really arrogant one way or the other, but I've had so many people come to me and say, this is a fantastic show, thank you. We've really enjoyed it, we've enjoyed this, we've enjoyed that. And uh, it has been a good show. We've, you know, we've built up World of Coffee year by year. And I think it now has a really significant place in uh, in our industry. But when you um, you know when you're close to something, as you will imagine, lots of hard work goes into it. From my team particularly, who are not we, as you know we employ an event company, event house to to do all of the work. But still, an awful lot of our work and passion at the office goes into uh, you know this week. It just sucks everybody's energy. And when you're as close as that, you don't always you you know you, your objectivity goes. At, uh, goes out and you're not, you don't really get a good view for, for other people to come and say this is really good, you've done a good job and it's really pleasing uh, so that's that, the other one I think it's almost out of here really um, we've had the, one of our objectives for the past four years now has been to try and leave some sort of legacy in the place that we, we go to we tried really hard in Vienna with the Vienna Coffee House Association you know those beautiful coffee houses yeah. that serve all for the coffee um, and, and you know we, we, our, 
Uh, negotiations sort of came to an end with them when you know one of them said, you know, look at this place, it's full every day. Why should I change? Yeah. Uh, we didn't get anywhere near in Nice because of what we just said. There's not really much of coffee culture there. Um, Rimini, we made a little bit of difference, but here, speaking to Matt Johansson the other day from Domantia, who's been one of the main supporters of us here, there, there now is the beginning already from the last 12 months of planning of a little bit of a renaissance in, this, in the specialty coffee industry in Gothenburg, so that really pleases me. Um, and we can't finish it without talking about Rico, uh, obviously the first time that that event's happened here. Yeah. Um, what are the plans for that going forward? Are you, is that going to be happening in Dublin next year? Is that going to be happening ongoing from here? The plan is um, that it will be in Dublin. As you know, that's a World Coffee Events uh, thing rather than uh, Sky. Uh, so the planning uh, another one later in the year, uh, possibly in Central America, and then uh, it's Guatemala. I right hear on the on the Ruba Vine. Believe so, possibly. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I've uh, I attended the first morning of uh, Rico here, and it was really good, really well organised. Being once again being a difficult birth, being the first one uh, outside of the states. Um, so I would imagine that it would be there in Dublin, and it will be bigger and better. Why do you think that uh, SCIE has had to rely on WC to put that on? Because I know that in the past, in, in like in Rimini, uh, in um, sorry, in, in Nice, nice we, you did the, we did the event there. Um, why have you stepped away from that and kind of got WCE to do that? And, and it's, it, yeah, seems, it, it seems a strange step when you're trying to yes. you know, bring all these initiatives in, like the Barista Guild and uh, Roasters Guild, that you're actually yeah. giving something away. Yeah, that... that it wasn't that wasn't the decision making process really. We um, yes, we did two roasters. It was roasted summit. It was called uh, the one in Nice was particularly successful, and particularly good. Uh, no, it sort of really came from the other way around from World Coffee Events, looking at what might they do next, other than competition, because you know in the past it's been a sort of a one trick pony really, competitions, competition, competition, um, and so we talked about the very successful symposium from SCA maybe being that model being used and taken around the world and so it was sort of a logical step really to say well you know let's try to, to, to order coffee yeah that's what we came about okay so some quick questions to finish on um, are you allowed to tell us where the location of the 2017-2018 world of coffees are going to be yet it, wrong question really it, it, I think what you probably mean is can and the reason and the answer is I can't because we don't know yet yeah but we will be making a decision um, at the end of July, so we're almost there. Okay. We still have some sites to visit. Um, how do you feel about the competitions going to China next year? I mean, I think it's... One, as a national coordinator, I hate you. Can you please stop doing that as a national coordinator? Because it's expensive. You made me send them to Australia. I know. Now you're making me send them to China. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I fully sympathise. I would, If I was a national coordinator or a competitor, I would say the same. On the other hand, uh, you know, they are world championships and we've just uh, had a guy from Australia win, we had Japanese, um, so... It's kind of a problem when you budget your sponsorship for a three-year deal and then all of a sudden you end up with an extra expense on there that's very yeah, frustrating. Yeah. And is there any way we can kind of actually project this a little bit further ahead because I think that would definitely help coordinators. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, there are so many stakeholders involved it's a difficult decision really yeah. and uh, it's sort of one of those 
damned if you do, damned if you, do, if you don't, really. Do you have any other holiday homes anywhere? Just, just so I can try and guess where the next ones might be. I really wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, so uh, how do people put themselves forward? Is it like a bidding process, or do you just do you go and say we want to come and do it there? Are you talking about Sky now or, or the World of Coffee events? The, the World of Coffee events. Yeah. We do. We. Uh, we send out the letter to the world, or the European world anyway, yeah. and bids come in, um, and we, I think we started this process with about 60, um, and we, through a process, we narrow them down, narrow them down, narrow them down, and then we get to, we'll get to three for the next three years. Okay. Um, I, I mean, that, that, that's all of my questions. Have you got anything that you want to kind of throw out there? Is there anything that you want to kind of get the message out there to people? Um, Know, kind of why they should be a member, why they should join Barista Guild, why they should get involved in the upcoming Roasters Guild. Okay, um, I'll use a sort of little story that I, I tell quite a lot, and my staff are absolutely crazy about hearing it so often. But you know, I joined Sky 2004, maybe something like that, um, as a coffee distributor wholesaler. I've been a member longer than you. Have you? Yeah, uh, I joined in 2003. Uh, well, I might have done. Oh, in fact, I think it might have. I was 2002. Um, and, you know, I wasn't really sure why I was joining. To be honest. Uh, I just knew that something was happening uh, that I was right on the periphery of and I wanted to be part of it. And, um, and then when I tried to analyse why I joined, I, I think it's probably the same for everybody. I think there are three people, three reasons why people join any organiser, any uh, membership organisation. One of them is... Um, to help yourself, you know, a selfish thing. So for me, being a small business, I thought I might be able to improve my profile. Um, and it was also to give something back to the uh, industry. So as a volunteer, I became a judge. That was how I volunteered. Uh, and then thirdly, just to learn more. So I would say to, um, you know, to anybody who's considering joining Sky, um, uh, you know, if you are passionate about specialty coffee, um, if you want to learn more, if you want to meet with people, and you know, once again, you know, this industry is so full of brilliant, fantastic, educated, knowledgeable, passionate people, um, then you know, you should be with us. If you want to learn more, you should be with us. We're not perfect. Um, we we share with every membership association in the world, uh, having to ask, answer the question, what's in it for me, and why should I rejoin? That's the same across the world. Um, just think of the people. Think of your passion of, uh, of coffee. Think of what you can, uh, what you can gain, and how you can grow, and just be part of uh, our association, which is in turn part of the the worldwide specialty coffee community. I know this is a, an extremely busy few days for you, and I know you're coming towards the end of it. So uh, I do appreciate you giving us the time for this, uh, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.